the traditional Swiss part was a part with the length to diameter ratio of three to one or greater, because that's when you really start sacrificing your rigidity and accuracy on a conventional CNC lathe. So we can make uh, long parts. Uh, in fact, we have one customer that made a production part that was 10 feet long. 10 feet long. Wow. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today's show is the first episode of our new season about Swiss-type CNC machining. Our guest is Mark Klecka, founder and president of Concentric Corporation, a prominent distributor of Citizen Syncom CNC Swiss lathes in Cleveland, Ohio. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I am honored to be with Mark Klecka, founder and president of Concentric Corporation in Cleveland, Ohio. They are a very uh, significant distributor of Citizen Syncom Swiss machines in the U.S. Welcome to the show, Mark. I'm happy to be here, Noah, and uh, happy to talk to your listeners. Awesome. So, first, I just want to get the just the brief summary of Concentric. What exactly is Concentric? What do you guys do? Uh, we've been a uh, distributor for the Citizen Swiss product for 31 years. And uh, when Citizen acquired the Miano product 10 years ago, we took on the Miano. So we like to think of ourselves as bar machining specialists. We uh, support our uh, users in every aspect of the purchase and support after the fact. We're uh, self-sufficient in supporting our users. Great. You know, I, I I don't want to dumb this down, but, you know, not all of our listeners are perfectly versed in all the different machines. I want you to give me the four-year-old explanation of, of a sliding headstock CNC Swiss machine. It's uh, amazing how many people who have been machining for decades uh, are unfamiliar with Swiss. Many think of Swiss turning uh, machines as Swiss built lathes. Uh, when it's it's fact, very misleading. No, it is. Technology actually was developed in Switzerland uh, 100 plus years ago to produce high precision watch parts. So now with our particular product, Citizen, built in Japan by Citizen Watch, who's the largest watch manufacturer in the world, it makes sense that Citizen designed and built their own machine. But what uh, differentiates the Swiss technology is uh, on a conventional lathe or conventional CNC lathe, you're actually gripping the part with a collet. And if you're machining at the face of your collet, you have a very rigid machining platform. As you start getting away from the face of the collet, you actually lose your rigidity 
And on a Swiss type machine, we add a second element, a guide bushing. So we're supported in a collet and a guide bushing. Between those two points, we eliminate the harmonic or vibration that you get uh, running bar in a conventional CNC lathe. We're machining right at the face of the bushing. So it's the most accurate means of bar machining in the world. All right. That was probably the five-year-old's uh, explanation, but uh, sure. so be it. And, and that enables, the stability enables you to do a lot longer parts and very precise parts, complicated parts. That's correct. You know, the traditional Swiss part was a, was a part with the length to diameter ratio of three to one or greater, because that's when you really start sacrificing your uh, rigidity and accuracy on a conventional lathe, conventional CNC lathe. So we can make uh, long parts. Uh, in fact, we have one customer that made a part that was actually a production part that was 10 feet long. 10 feet long. Wow. 10 feet long. They had to build a special collection device on the outboard end of the machine, but we actually passed the part through the subspindle, uh, processed the part as needed, cut off the part, and they had a 10 foot long production part. So we have no length limitation. You're limited by uh, the length of your uh, bar stock, less the remnant, which you'll have uh, when processing on a Swiss machine. Wow. How long was the bar loader on that? Uh, It was a uh, traditional uh, U.S. 12 foot bar magazine, 12 foot. Correct. And what was the cycle time on it? <laughs> yeah, well, actually you'd be surprised. It wasn't too long because uh, it was aluminum tubing and uh, all that we were doing on the part, we were uh, cross drilling uh, each side and slotting the part. And then we had several refeeds clamped in the sub spindle cut off and did the same operation on the backside. So cycle time was not long, but uh the production piece was one that otherwise would have had multiple operations. And, you know, again, stepping back to, you know, the basics, uh, you know, one big advantage of Swiss is eliminating secondary operations, including grinding in many cases, um, so that you can touch the one, ship it out the door. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that they could do that long, you know, since we're getting back to the basics, uh, you know, what are, what are the main flaws of Swiss machining? Basically the, the cycle time. Um, no, I guess I'm, I'm not crazy about the word flaw, but coming from a, a multiple spindle person, uh, maybe I would agree with your cycle time and that, uh, you know, our, our, uh, lot sizes can be from, from small. I mean, can be a few pieces, uh, two, we have one user in our territory that runs a million and a half piece lots across his machine. So, um, cycle time wise, you know, we might be longer than a multiple spindle machine or a hydromat style machine. Right. So in terms of flaws, you know, we're, we're maybe that's a flaw. I, uh, I would say that uh, our uh, accuracy is second to none in the bar machining world. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we're capable of uh, very complex geometries. Um, you know, maybe, maybe another uh, area where somebody uh, would need to uh, better understand Swiss processing would be the requirement for more precise bar stock uh, versus uh, right. conventional CNC. You need ground bar stock. You you don't need ground bar stock. It's a, a misconception. It depends on the part that you're running. And as a rule of thumb, if your finished turn tolerance is tighter than a thousandth, you know, you should consider ground bar stock. Again, it depends what type of material you're running, uh, who your uh, stock supplier is. Uh, if you're running ground bar on a traditional Swiss machine, meaning collet and guide bushing support, it's certainly better to have controlled bar. And uh, however, on most Swiss machines now, uh, including uh, the majority, if not all of our citizen models, 
uh, you could run either in uh, guide bushing mode or non-guide bushing right, mode. Right, that's what I was going to ask. So is it like, uh, you know, usually the Sugami or the Star, you hear them call it like a kit where you, you can just change it over. Is it much of a process to change um, a guide bushing machine to non-guide bushing? No, it's it's very simple. I mean, it's uh, time wise, you know, obviously it depends on if it's the first time somebody's done it. And if they've done it before, I mean, you're probably looking at about a half an hour uh, changeover from uh, guide bushing mode to non guide bushing mode. It's, oh, it's very simple. You have to remove your guide bushing housing and add uh, spindle cap to the main spindle side. And it's, it's very simple. And, you know, you can do it from one part to the another to another if uh, the application calls for it. So, but that allows you to get around uh, to some extent the uh, ground bar. But I, I want to say, just forgetting about the non guide bushing mode, probably in our 31 year history, I would say maybe 30% of the material that has been run across our machines has been ground bar. And the, the other 70% over 31 years probably has been non ground bar. Really? That's correct. That's a total misconception because it seems like everybody I talk to who runs Swiss runs ground bar stock. I I would say that that is a a misnomer and a misunderstanding. Was that just for citizen or is that for Swiss across the board? 70% would be non-ground. I'm speaking, you know, to our territory in Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, West Virginia, uh, that that's been the case for our 31 year history. I mean, I can't necessarily speak for California or New England, uh, Illinois, but I would believe that as an average, that's probably typical. Okay. It, it, also, it also depends on the objective of the user. I would say more users now are tending to run non, if they're running in Swiss mode and you want to run unattended you sure as heck better have good bar stock because, you know, if you get highs and lows within a bar, it's going to manifest itself on the outboard end in your finished part. So, you know, with more and more of our users nationally wanting to run lightly tended or unattended uh, because of uh, lack of skills. And uh, that hopefully is a topic we'll take up later uh, because right now we're running at full employment. There are no unemployed uh, Swiss machinists in our territory. Everyone is working and hard to find a good Swiss machine for a good used Swiss machine too, while we're at it, particularly citizen. Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's all about partnership and, uh, you know, together, uh, between the distributors and, the the talented used brokers out there, I think we'll always oh, work to keep our perspective, uh, users, uh, you know, with the machine they need and want. How was 2020 as far as um, machine sales? I I would say in general, uh, COVID-19 has affected everybody. I mean, it's affected uh, the manufacturing world. It's affected uh, because of that. It's affected the machine tool sales world where... I would have thought you'd be crushing it. I wish we were crushing it. We're maintaining and, uh, you know, we're... I think part of that is, uh, you know, there there were times when... Uh, majority of our customers or prospective customers were not allowing people into their facilities. Yeah. You know, that's really where we as Concentric shine uh, a face-to-face time uh, with the customer or prospective customer where we can really show them uh, the uh, extra value of our machines and our support. And uh, support is extremely important on a Swiss type for the reasons we just discussed in terms of it is different technology. And we feel our strength is the ability to reduce our prospective users learning curve and get them into, uh, you know, a position of uh, 
expertise more quickly than others. Do you think a citizen is easier to learn than another sliding headstock machine? Or do you think you guys just have the best training or both? I'm going to say that uh, both. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, you're biased, no, no, but I, that's fine. I mean, no, I, but I, I do want to respond, you know, generally for a Swiss market or, you know, we want people to get into our market. I, I think uh, training is everything. I think uh, you need to have support in the trenches and you need to have talented support in the trenches. And I think that's why uh, you have to rely heavily on your local and or regional distribution network. And um, citizen, Mayor Benny Citizen, many years ago made the decision to uh, educate their distributors to where their distributors can all be uh, service oriented and uh, yeah. self-sufficient, which is a big advantage. So that's very interesting. So your salesperson is also a maintenance applications setup person all in one or? I, I would say uh, certainly there was a time when that was the case. As Concentric, our sales engineers are also applications engineers and capable of some service. Uh, I don't want to slight our service crew. Our service team is second to none in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, all have a very long citizen uh, and or Swiss uh, on machine uh, history in terms of experience. But um, am I capable of doing a process study? Am I capable of getting into trenches and solving a problem? Yes. Uh, that's true of our other sales engineers. It's And I, I have to give a shout out to one individual in particular and then more. Um, I, I say that probably the most talented and the godfather of Swiss uh, is a gentleman named Jim Sassanecki that uh, uh, left Warner and Swayze many decades ago, hmm. joined a company in Springfield, Mass, Hutchins Tool, uh, started uh, with another gentleman, a division called Brookdale Associates, which I started in terms of my first experience with the Citizen product in New England, 30 well, back in 1984. That's how you got into it. That was my first Swiss exposure. But Jim uh, Sassanecki went on to a key role with uh, Mirabeni Citizen. And uh, I learned a lot through Jim about Swiss processing. I think uh, his uh, thumbprint is on Mirabeni Citizen today. And, you know, supported by, supported by people like John Antignani, who John, you know, came through the service ranks, worked as a service engineer for MCC, uh, service manager, now uh, CEO. And that's yeah. pretty true of citizen throughout the organization. A lot of times people start in service and then then they change hats as it goes on. And the reason for that, Noah, is is the applications orientation of the Swiss technology. I mean, it's not, you know, you're not going to spreadsheet sell a Swiss machine. You're not going to look at horsepower uh, swing, uh, you know travel uh you know it's about making a part can you make the part what is the non-cut time and you know it, it's understanding that and that was jim's uh uh philosophy decades ago and that philosophy is pervasive is that because theoretically you could make most of the same parts on the main competitors of citizen i mean we don't really need to rattle you know there's about yeah, no, two no. or three of them and you could probably make you know, you could make a very competitive part. So you have to use something extra in order to get the customer. This is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. So that's why you, you think the service and the applications combined with the sales is essential. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's it's all about minimizing your learning curve as the user and, you know, bringing you to a high level of productivity quickly. And uh, we're, we're able to do that. I mean, I, I do agree with you. I think all machines are good machines or they wouldn't be out there. Or okay machines, at least. 
Yeah, I mean, it's how the products are supported. You know, I think it's uh, unsurpassed transactional quality is what it's all about. It's it's not only the machine, it's every aspect. It's the prompt quoting, prompt time studies, it's uh, repair parts. I mean, all these things, you know, and uh, it's it's true. And it's very true, particularly in our industry where, you know, it is different enough where I've seen, you know, people with decades of experience humbled only because it is new to them. And uh that's our strength as concentric, you know, and it's why yeah. we've chosen to focus on this one technology for so long. It's, you know, we've had numerous opportunities to re- represent other pieces of equipment, but, uh, right. you know, we, we love our product. We're passionate about it. We're passionate about our niche. An FYI to our thousands of listeners out there. We're always looking for new show sponsors, new ideas for episodes, and feedback. Obviously, positive feedback is nice, but if you have some constructive criticism, it's also really good. Feel free to send emails to the contact info on todaysmachiningworld.com. If they're interesting, maybe I'll read some on the air. You know, I I think we're getting into some interesting technology stuff. Let's just go into a few of the main developments that you've been, you were telling me about mainly like the vibration control for the newer machines? Yes, it's uh, something we call LFV or low frequency vibration technology. And the other Swiss machines don't really have their version of this as far as you know? uh, I would say that uh, most of the larger players have something that uh, they've come out with based largely on citizens global success with LFV called different names. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it's done through macros. Um, I think uh, without getting into too much detail, I think eventually FANUC will make it available to most FANUC control controlled machines to one axis. Whereas on the uh, citizen side where the technology was originally developed between citizen and Mitsubishi, Mm -hmm. we can have it on as many as four axes. Uh, depending on the model of machine. But FANUC, if you buy a FANUC, you know, citizen, the only the only citizen that has the FANUC is the the L or I mean the A20, correct? A20 and the RO4, but uh, for the most part, A20 because the RO4 is very... And that wouldn't have it. That wouldn't have that feature. No, that's, that's correct. It does not. Uh, but I, you know, I just want to go back to tell you a little bit about LFE because we're talking about it and our, our yeah. listeners won't know anything about... Uh, yeah, give about. us the spin. Uh, low, low frequency, um, no pun intended, uh, spin. But uh, the low frequency technology on the citizen side is through the drives of the machine. And it's an oscillation of the tool in relation to the subspindle. And it's uh, controlled again through the drive. And it's one line of programming code. And by changing a variable on that one line of code, our user can change the geometry of their chip. So what is LFV mm-hmm. for? It's for chip control. On a Swiss machine, because of the, the nature of a Swiss, where you're many times taking off all your turn material in one pass, you're turning at a very slow feed rate and holding very tight tolerances. And the inserts are just mm-hmm. not designed to break a chip at that fine feed rate. So I thought it was a big reason was the, the rigidity of the machine. You mean taking material off in one pass? Yeah, with the lack of vibration. Yeah, there's that. that's true. I mean, you're right at the face of the guide bushing, whereas if you were 
roughing, semi-finishing, finishing like you would on a conventional CNC, you are you are going to lose some accuracy every time you do that. But the main thing is the chips because the chips are such a well. Well, LFV is for chip control and okay. helping helping you optimize your throughput because chips are going to affect uh, tool life. They're going to affect. Um, you know, you may have op stops in a program so your operator can go in and clear chips. And with everybody wanting to run lightly tended or unattended, LFE mm-hmm. is extremely in demand. And I think where you and I talked about this was related to the used market because we have many, uh, I would say, late model users of our citizen machines that are wanting to convert everything to LFV. That once they've purchased one and they've seen the benefit of LFV to current production, you know, it doesn't make sense for them to continue on uh, without it. But you can't add this onto a machine you already have, can you? You cannot. No, it, it has. The machines are uh, uh, specially equipped in terms of hardware to accommodate the uh, LFE. Because keep in mind, it is oscillation through the drive of the machine. So you're going to have a vibration and it's it's nominal but it's enough to where, again, without getting into the deep technology, it allows you to control the chip. And we'd love to talk to any prospective user more about it if they're interested, or they can go online and learn quite a bit about it. Uh, there's a lot of good video uh, and online content regarding LFV and low frequency. Vibe. But it, it's probably, uh, and I'm obviously biased, but globally, it's probably the most advanced, I would say, metal cutting technology it's really grabbed the European market, our U.S. market, and certainly Asia as well. And uh, again, because of chip control, uh, and that's its main benefit. Very interesting. Let's talk about some of the markets you guys are going into that it's prevalent. I, I mean, the first thing that I think of when I think of Swiss machines is medical. can make a lot of money if you have a good medical part. You know, it's not easy to get into that, but if you have it, it seems like Swiss would be a great a great way to make a lot of money. What percentage of your customers are, are medical? I'll speak to our mark and also speak uh, nationally. Uh, nationally, medical has been the main consumer of Swiss for many decades. You know, maybe our entire 31-year history, you know, we've had a good percentage of medical, you know, bone screws, implants, uh, instruments, um, you name it. And that continues today. Mm-hmm. The technology has changed uh, to where, you know, now thread whirling is very common in terms of bone screws, where at one time the processing of a long bone screw was a challenge. What is thread whirling? Thread whirling is where we're actually turning and threading uh, with a uh, rotating cutter head so that we can do long medical screws in in one operation as compared to, you know, in the past, you might have been limited by the length of thread. You know, now, of course, we can segment thread because of the accuracy of our axes and picking up the lead of a thread and so on. But that's another topic that will come upon. But thread whirling is, is older technology now. I mean, it's still in use, but you know, 30 years ago, it wasn't. So we have uh, obviously our gun drilling on Swiss type machines now where with high pressure coolant, we're, we're drilling some holes, uh, you know, e- even below 28 thousandths inch, you know, with some of the even non gun drills, like some of the, uh, uh, you know, not to shout out a, a name, but Mitsubishi deep hole drills. I mean, we find in our area, they're well supported. They have a great variety available. We could increase the feed rate over a gun drill significantly and our, our users get tremendous results cooling through um, 
drills and, and that's Mitsubishi's topic with you someday. But um, yeah, uh, laser. I was talking to you specifically about one uh, screw. Right. It's 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 uh, putting another another operation is the laser. Yeah, we this is a particular screw, and uh, you saw it at the PMTS show I at, did. at uh, Cleveland. Yeah, describe it to the listeners. Okay, it's actually threaded on both ends. And I say listeners, also viewers, I suppose, because the listeners won't be able to appreciate this. But I'm actually flexing the screw. Oh, wow. And uh, the reason I'm doing this is now when a drill actually breaks through the bone into the marrow, the drill is inclined to walk. So when a, a doctor actually puts a bone screw in, if that uh, drill has walked, there's going to be some extra stress on that screw in the body. So now with this, this actually will follow with this flex by these laser cut grooves. And the center portion is all laser cut between the two threads. Mm -hmm. So this will actually allow this screw to perfectly follow the um, drilled hole so that we don't have the inherent stress uh, as that breaks through into the marrow. Mm -hmm. That technology is, you know, new and growing. So it comes off the machine and then uh, right as it, well, it's still in the machine, but right as it's in the machine, then a laser hits it and can do all kinds of interesting work. That's correct. We actually have the ability of mounting a uh, laser head into our machine. It can actually be mounted on a B-axis if necessary. And uh, we can use it to uh, laser cut and or laser weld or both within uh, one cycle. So this, wow. this drops complete. You know, it's actually gun drilled as well. And uh, so it uses a lot of the elements of technology that we use. Uh, you know, on the backside, there's usually a drive. Oh, you can't see it. I'm sorry. A drive mechanism of some sort, whether it's a uh, hexalobe or a broached uh, uh, surface. I mean, uh, to drive the actual mm -hmm. uh, bone screw. Um, so medical is a key market. You and I talked a little bit about, I, I thought of a different word to define the market. I'm going to use the word tactical. Somebody was explaining to me yesterday, medical parts are pretty similar to gun parts. They're all little and, and very intricate. And I think you told me that you had a, a, an acquaintance that likes to say that they uh, sew them up and shoot them up. I've had people say that. We have a similar uh, user shop here where, uh, you know, the, the tactical industry is, is strong. Archery is strong. Woodworking tools. I mean, you think about COVID and I never perfectly answered your question earlier. It certainly affected our market. Um, but uh, we're we're consciously optimistic. I think what our users like to say, our job shop users, is they're maintaining. Yeah, we are at full employment, which is uh, you know if we can make it through this with all of our users holding on to their people, uh, that's saying quite a bit about our Swiss niche. You're saying your customers are at full employment. Oh, so are we as concentric. I mean, we haven't yeah. let any of our uh, employees go, but uh, our our job shop users, I'm not speaking for OEM. OEM, I mean, our, we're, I would say they're maintaining as well. Uh, one of the main markets for Swiss nationally is, is job shop. And that's mm -hmm. true for us here in Ohio. Uh, do we have OEM? We do. Um, but uh, our main market is job shop. And a lot of that is medical. I would say the aerospace sector is down. So, uh, you know, those those yeah. territories that are heavily into uh, aerospace, maybe New England, maybe California, you know, they're they're probably down a little bit more percentage wise. Oil and gas is down, of course. And yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But uh, again, there's some others that are up to, to where where I like to say our users are maintaining. They're holding on to their people. Yeah. They're keeping their spindles turning. 
you know, there may be cut back a little bit on hours, but uh, we're all optimistic that things are going to turn. And uh, right, yeah. right now, nobody, nobody knows. I mean, with the change and the political change, uh, nobody, nobody is mm. sure what is going to happen. So it's probably uh, good for gun for gun parts. Whenever anybody gets nervous about anything, in in my opinion, it's unfortunate. But um, you were telling me before that um, th- there's some some really interesting niche markets like woodworking and and tattoo stuff. I totally need yeah. to inter- interview. You got to tell me somebody who's making tattoo guns with the um, with the citizens. That sounds really interesting. T- tell me about. You know, you don't have to name any actual customers, but tell me about what a few people are doing. Well, I think, uh, you know, with this pandemic, there there are always silver linings. And uh, one of the silver linings uh, we, you and I discussed and it will come to the actual market is uh, Citizen uh, has, uh, Maravini Citizen has made a strong effort to develop uh, online training, online demos, uh, seminars that are, have, you know, the content is very good. And it's something that, you know, if it weren't for COVID, maybe we wouldn't have done that, where now customers can get advanced training online. And uh, so that's a silver lining. Certain markets in terms of silver linings, woodworking with a lot of uh, uh, men or women uh, now working at home. If they had woodworking shops at home, they could only do it in, you know, limited time after hours. But now I'm not saying that they're not working diligently on their right. their uh, their nine to five job, but it seems like woodworking tools are... Uh, a new and growing market. So they, but they're not owning the the actual machine. They're buying the parts from a job shop that's making them, or and demand oh, no, is going up. Or well, I'm talking about if if the end user who has a woodworking shop in his home, yeah, is doing more woodworking, they need the tools to be able to do that. So that that market has grown. Uh, the tattoo um, pen or gun market. Uh, I'm not sure what the. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the justification would be during COVID for growth in the tattoo market. But it's, it's something that we have seen. And, um, you know, uh, afterwards, uh, you know, I can talk to you further about a source that you can interview about that. So that'd be way cool. You know, just in terms of different markets versus our traditional markets, uh, fluid power has always been a great market for us. Uh, certainly automotive. And, and one of the things you and I talked about is, you know, the electronic vehicle market uh, as compared to, you know, the more traditional uh, internal combustion engine. And okay, uh, so assuming that Elon Musk and his, you know, imitators are going to grow, you know, I mean, this is a few years down the line, but I know like the multi-spindle people are, they're looking down the line at internal combustion parts that they have to be on the lookout for that diminishing. And so are you saying that as electric cars become more popular, that's going to have growth in Swiss machines, create growth? I think what I'm saying is there are parts for the electronic vehicles that with the maybe decline in the more traditional uh, uh, internal engine related uh, component that uh, the electronic vehicle market is growing. Very interesting. Just a couple couple other questions. Uh, what What's something you learned uh, last week? Something interesting. Something I learned last week is uh, probably not a good idea to break into the Capitol building. Uh, <laughs> in, in, in terms of uh, technology. It doesn't I, have, uh, I mean, that's, that's a good thing. Okay, now give me technology. Yeah. Uh, te- technology, I, uh, I learned uh, a little bit more about some of the, the new LNS turbo uh, 
chip conveyors that are out there only because we put huh. one on uh, one of them on one of our machines and uh, it uh, it works quite well. And uh, in conjunction with our LFE in terms of chip control, it's just another piece of the puzzle to uh, facilitate mm-hmm. uh, unattended operations. So I, I uh, had my first experience with that particular chip conveyor and uh, was very happy with uh, what I saw. That's very interesting. It's so interesting that just these little things, you know, make such a huge, huge difference, you know, chips. I would say I learned I learned uh, every day and I, I'm sure that you do and your father has, even though he has a, you know, a lengthy, even though he's only 45, a lengthy career in the machine tool world. And uh, he learns every day and I learn something new every day. And I, I, think I write down of, something new that I've learned every day. That's what I that's my new thing this year. I think I do remember reading your uh, blog about that, if I'm not mistaken. I think might have been last year that Jack, toward the end of the year, maybe that you had it or. Uh, yeah, but this year, this is this is like my new uh, I have to write something down that I learned that day. It could be anything. OK, it could be like how I spell one word or, or something. Oh, that's a, I think that's a great thing. I know that one of the things that drives our employees is and, and all of our employees, I think, and especially our service force is they learn something new every day. When you think you know everything, you're going to be knocked down a peg very quickly because uh, there's a lot to learn, whether it's a different material, different coolant, different cutting tool, you name it. And, uh, you know, that's if you're passionate about machining as we are, um, you know, it's there's something to be gained. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to tell your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch videos of extended interviews. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is William Steffi. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com.